the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to the show. It's your host, Matt Browning. And today's interview is with someone I have been wanting to get on this podcast really since it came out. And it is fitting that it finally comes out as a Christmas treat for all y'all right here, right now. Um, someone who's become a very dear friend of mine and really someone I looked up to in the personal development industry for a number of years and not having had a chance to meet him. And well, he didn't quite know that, but I finally, I met him uh, at, at a conference. I met him again. And then we finally got a chance to sit down a few times uh, and just shoot the breeze and have a good time. And then I finally uh, asked him to come on the podcast. So my guest today is Jay Facet. Now, if you know that name, Jay Facet, probably because in the mastermind world, if you've heard of a mastermind, he really, there's no one better. He is the king of masterminds. Uh, he's a Canadian farm boy turned millionaire entrepreneur. Uh, very, very humble beginnings from a tiny town. I talked with Jay. Really, this is one of the longer interviews. We recorded this a few months ago, and uh, this is when I was going much longer in the interview, so enjoy this one. We really get in good depth. We get a ton of his backstory about what it's like growing up in a small town, uh, being left you know, on his own to bike around town with his friends at 12 years old. He went to work for his dad, and he would just take off for the weekend with a paycheck on Friday and then come on back on Monday. Uh, we talk about how he started his first business and you know what it was like growing up, how he bought his first motorcycle with what we call bottle-picking money. You're going to learn what bottle-picking money is. <laughs> his stories are, are just incredible. You will have a blast. I hope you enjoy yourself as you sit around. We also did this interview live, so it's just uh, Jay and I just talking back and forth for a good little while there. Uh, and then we start getting into kind of how he went to his first personal development seminar and eventually bought that company. Uh, with no outside debt, but came in and turned it around. And then they went on and be began creating more and more facilitator trainings, mastermind trainings, and now he really is, I, would, I, I call him that, the king of masterminds. Um, you might mention, you might notice uh, this is not an explicit show. Uh, this is a family-friendly show. Uh, Jay, meaning no harm, of course. You might hear a couple of bleeps here and there, a couple of bleeps. Uh, sorry, Jay, hope you hope you understand, but I want to make sure that uh, the adults and the kiddos can listen to it. And I'm sure it's nothing that we haven't heard growing up somewhere, but nonetheless, um, give me some grace for some bleeps. It should be just fine. So if you listen with your kids, feel free to keep listening. Jay's a phenomenal human being. He has a great heart, and he is brilliant at what he does. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Jay Facet. Jay Facet. The Canadian legend. <laughs> I've been trying. Hey, I've been trying to. Uh, I've been wanting to sit down with you for quite a long time, and I've heard your name long before I met you. So your reputation precedes you. I will not tell you what kind of reputation, <laughs> but it precedes you nonetheless. And we are finally here. Uh, welcome to the pod. Bro, how are you? I am really, really well and thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. It's good to finally spend the time. Yeah, and it's also, I appreciate you taking a nap before we got to sit down today. <laughs> so that's what happens when you get really old. It's like, I've got something important to do. I best have a quick nap, and then I'll get myself up and running again. <laughs> but now you're, I mean, you're wired, you're on fire. It's amazing. Um, so what part of Canada are you from? Well, I, I always get this one wrong because I've had so many Canadians today. That oh, we, have you? Uh, a lot of Canadians we've been hanging out with. Wild, We're crazy. Yeah. So I'm uh, Calgary, Alberta. Mm -hmm. Grew up in Saskatchewan, very rural, very farm, all of those pieces. But Calgary's home now. I've been there 
since 1986 or 87, something like that. I say that's a while. That's yeah. about the time I got my first Transformers. <laughs> so I, I was about six or seven at the time. So that makes sense. Yes, you, and you weren't on your iPad, uh, uh, on your phone, you know, texting your dad. Can you get a Transformer? Were you? No, no, no. Yeah. So just before we roll on tape, we're, <laughs> we're teasing your. You have a 12 year old. You have two children, right? Yeah, I have a 12 year old Wyatt, uh, and he thinks he's 22. And then I've got a, a seven year old who turns eight in July, and uh, he's still cute. So I, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Is he just finishing first grade or uh, second? No, no, second uh, into third grade. Wow, yeah. isn't that just crazy? And it goes so fast. It it's does. Crazy. Yeah, my son, he'll be eight in March, so he just turned seven. Mm -hmm. And only the one. But, man, it's uh, it's awesome. It is you very know? cool. Yeah. As, as much as I sort of give them a hard time and tease, uh, it is absolutely the best thing in life. Absolutely the best thing in life. Yeah. Drive me crazy, but totally, totally love it. Yep. I would say the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. You know, by far. Well, thank you for, uh, seriously, like, thank you for taking the time out of your, your life uh, to not just be with me, but also to be here. Again, we're, um, we're, I'm doing a series of interviews where we're hanging out at a conference um, with a mutual friend, Michael Neely. He's producing this awesome event. And those of us who are hanging around podcasting and do our own live events. We're kind of sneaking off time with each other. And uh, so it's a really good excuse uh, to catch up. Mm -hmm. So you said you grew up in Saskatchewan. Is it's that like yeah. as a kid, is that where you grew up? Yes. In yeah mom and dad or what, what was what was the situation when you were growing up as a kid very rural town uh place called scepter saskatchewan had three streets this way three streets that way if you count the highway and in, in saskatchewan you do because not all towns have one um <laughs> uh, on a good day when the farmers in town like 65 people uh mom and dad two older sisters um and i grew up with my best friend fritz and we thought we ran the town because we because you kind of did well we thought we did we, we could have the key to the school we could have the key to the city hall or the city hall town hall and go in and play you know we could play floor hockey in the winter and like we, we just literally thought we ran the town and it, and it was <clears throat> a phenomenal place to grow up and literally people left keys in the car and the doors open in case somebody needed something you know like it was it was just that's the way it was wow i love that line too in case someone needed something we might as well leave our keys in the car not yeah. we're worried <laughs> someone's going to need something so take them out <laughs> so was it a legit 65 people in the town yeah yeah that's not that's not an exaggeration no no when i when i moved to calgary i was so boggled and i probably spent the first two weeks and calgary isn't a huge city it's at that stage game it still wasn't even a million people um but I remember just like standing in stunned awe downtown, you know, with, with the skyscrapers and those sorts of things. And the, my first little condo apartment building had significantly more people than my hometown. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was just it was a little bit of culture shock. That's hard to imagine. So, yeah. I, I mean, I grew up in Orange County mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I say it's a small little suburb outside of L.A. that has about four million people. Mm -hmm. And and like that's that's normal to me. Right? Yes. Each city, you know, has 100,000, you know, plus and there's like packed cities all around. Um, you, it's funny cause when, when I first met you instantly, I got that vibe of like, you just, no matter how successful you get, no matter what you've done, how long you've done it, whatever, you're always, you've been able to keep that down to earth vibe. And I can also tell it's not put on, right? It's just, you're literally just this guy. Um, did you ever, I don't know, did you ever feel like you grew out of that or have you always just kind of, it's a funny question, but. Have you always just kind of been, hey, I'm a small town guy, I'm just a normal person, and you just kind of kept that? Or? Well, well, you're the second person that's asked me that today, which which I think is kind of funny. And <clears throat> um, we we talked. I don't I, I don't have an answer for that. Is like I, I don't know, I don't know what the alternative is. Like you, you just, I'm 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 stumbling for words because the smart <laughs> answer is if you ever went home to Saskatchewan yeah. and you weren't you, they'd just beat the <laughs> out of you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if you can say that on your show, but like it's like it's family friendly, but don't worry, we'll believe it. it, it it's not. It's there's not an there's not an option. And, and if if the, and and by the way, that's not just the people in the town. That's the, that's your family. Like you, you don't you like just like. Yes, or your sisters. <laughs> yeah, what do you like, think you are, well, Jim? Yes, and, and very much so. Is, like, that, is, is that kind of Canadian culture in general? Would you say, or is it really more the small town or the rural area? Because I hear that kind of a thing where it's like, hey, like who? It's, it's not so much a negative, but almost in a positive. Hey, who do you think you are? Like we're all just in it, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's a portion of Canadian culture that is more that way than than American culture. Excuse me. Um, but there is certainly a small town piece to that whole that whole um we know we know who you are we know where you came from we know what did and did not happen we like 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 just, there's no point in pretending <laughs> right i love that. you know we, we we used to laugh that we had a neighbor and um and she happened to be a fairly snoopy neighbor because there's you know so much action in a town of 60 odd people that that she knew when everybody in our family went to the bathroom because <laughs> there, there was this house here which was hers and our our house here and her bathroom was our front door so she knew everything that like, like and it was just it's just an odd strange thing that um I, I don't have great words to describe because it's it's I don't think it's quite normal but it's just the way it was what do you think some of the what do you think the most positive character trait that you would have that, again, just if, if it's normal to you, but it might not be normal to someone else, came out of a, a small town uh, growing up? Well, I, honestly, I think there's a lot. Um, and, and this is small town plus, let's just say. So my great-grandparents um, emigrated and homesteaded, which meant... Uh, Where from? Um, depending on which side of my family um england um scotland france okay and literally what would transpire is they would come get on a train land in swift current saskatchewan which is nowhere um and walk for days somewhere in the middle of freaking nowhere to find a little stand uh, in the corner that said this is your 160 acres um that's it. Like there was nothing. So, you know, and, and it wasn't just my family. It's so like they went, here we go. We landed and this is going to be our land. And yeah, let's exactly. And, and you had to clear, I don't remember the exact, it was 160 acres of what everybody got, but you had to clear something like 40 acres a year and clear, and there's boulders and rocks and there's literally nothing. There's not heat. There's not gas. There's not electric water. No pipes ran. No, like literally people built sod shacks to live in and people froze to death in the winter. Like, like that, that's only... A couple of generations back. Right. Okay. So, and it's not just my family. Of course, that's how that entire area got settled. So I think the key thing um, that most people from that area carry forward is just, is that number one, people worked incredibly hard, like incredibly hard. And they didn't work incredibly hard to be successful. They worked incredibly hard to succeed. And quite literally, survival and life and death relied upon people working together. You couldn't go out there on your own and make it. Like nobody could just be in the middle of nowhere and make it so there was always this even if you sort of didn't like somebody or if somebody was sort of a jerk or an or any, you know any of those sorts of things the community always still rallied to support whatever transpired and i think that that's the um it's, it's actually even emotional for me you know like I, it's, it's I like can see that yeah it, it's um um it's pride and it's also a set of good god i have it easy you know like mm. like what came before. <clears throat> wow. So I think that's probably it. Wow. So so loyalty would be high. 
tremendously. Tremendously. Yeah. And not just loyalty to family or the people you like, but loyalty to like like almost like your well kind being. or your well people, being. your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. The well being of, of who's around you. Yeah. Did you like not even having a choice almost, just going, Hey, this is who it is. We have this clan, this thing that, yeah. you know, it's very wow, that's really cool. So and I can see that you carry that with you. Um would that be one of the biggest factors that kind of played into what you do now for a living or have you oh, thought about man. that much? Um, cause I'm sure yes, there's lots and we'll get to that. Yeah. I, I would say yes. Um, but I think that when, when I discovered what I wanted to, you know, be when I grew up, so to speak, um, it was not so directly connected. Like I couldn't say, "Oh, this because of that." Like that. It, now it certainly plays a role. It certainly shifts how I see human beings. It certainly shifts my willingness to support. Like all of those things, I think were prerequisites that that you know laid a foundation that made that possible. There's no question about it. But it wasn't. It was not a direct and I would say conscious connection at the sure. time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's seldom conscious connections. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember I watched that police officer and he saved my dad and now I want to be a police officer. Yeah. Like, like I, I've always wanted to have a story like that. The closest I had was I, I wrote a note when I when I was like six or seven that I wanted to run away from home mm -hmm. to be an ice cream man. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do it, that's the thing to do, man. Well, it just, <laughs> look, it made so much sense, right? I've told that story before but like on the podcast, but you know, like that was my dream job. Yeah. Like if I could just live in the ice cream truck. I'd never have to beg my dad for money. It would be amazing. So I wrote the note and kept it in my sock drawer and, and preparing yep. for the time when it would be time to run away. I never did. My mom found it. You were just hoping that the ice cream truck was going to drive by and you could. <laughs> yeah. No, I knew one day. It was like, you know, in a good, you know, a couple months, a couple of years, like I'm yeah. going to be ready to do that, but I'm not ready yet. That's cool. Right. Yeah. That is so good. Um, but we all have, you know, something we dream about. <laughs> we're, um, so you were the baby of the family of three. So I'm the baby too. I, I was the youngest by eight years. Yeah. So, uh, so accidental. <laughs> oh, was the, the middle child eight years older? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So my oldest uh, in my family is my sister, who's eight years older than me. Okay. And my brother was three years older than me. So Got he it. was right in the middle. Uh, so it was the two sisters, and then Jay comes along. Yeah. Right? Paul Jay. Paul Jay. Hey, you heard right. that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you share that. Yeah. Is, is, is that secret? No. Not what at is all. it now? <laughs> no, 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 but, never has been. Guys, let's just keep this between us. <laughs> So, so what transpired was, so my, pa my parents always had a, like from the get go had a taxed, um, relationship and, um, right after, right after my first, uh, my oldest sister was born, my mother decided like she, this was not it. And when the kids are old enough, she's going a year later, she's pregnant with my sister and it's like, okay, that's all good. So when you, when you say when the kids are older, this is it, I'm going, does that mean I'm leaving? Yeah. That she's going to leave my dad. Your, okay. Yeah. So as soon as the kids are out of school, cause we can't that have was the that, plan. that was, you know, we're back in the fifties. There's still loyalty. 60s, yeah. Um, so imagine, you know, I, I'm the eight year accident, how welcome I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, well, that throws <laughs> off my, my plan by eight years. <laughs> and, uh, and so my dad wanted a son in the worst way and he's named after his father. Um, and he wanted me to be named after him. So uh, Paul J. Fazette is how it came out. And my mother agreed in the hospital and then brought me home and said, look, if you think we're having two <laughs> on the house named Paul, that isn't going to happen. We're calling him Jay. <laughs> 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 and thus, I am Jay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it sounds like there was, uh, and I don't want to go too much in the mm -hmm. details, but it sounds like between your parents, it wasn't always like happy times. 
Be- between the two of them, did you find yourself getting closer to one versus the other or or distant to one versus the other? What was that like for you and your experience? Well, you, you know, it, it's funny because they had a tax time. There was no question about it. A tax time? A taxed time. Oh, a like, taxed time. Like yeah. it, it, was, it was never easy for sure. them. But my dad worked like a madman. Uh, he really believed his thing was to provide, and, and he did a pretty exceptional job of that in a kind of small, weird part of the world. Um, so I was certainly closer with my mom than I ever was my dad, like for sure, for sure. Um, but it was odd in that they had a tax time, but for the most part, we had a, a pretty blessed time. Mm. And, and, and it was, it wasn't that we did, like we knew, um, but it was, I, I, again, that's a difficult thing to articulate. We knew it wasn't easy. We knew it wasn't going to end well. We knew all those sorts of things. And yet, whatever we wanted, for the most part, we got. Uh, there was very little drama. There was, you know, it was just one of those things that was. If that so makes their any tax sense. times, you said, didn't really get in the way of how they interacted or loved on you guys. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like oh, that's we, really cool. Yeah. I don't, and you I don't see that all the time. Well, and I don't. I truly don't know how they managed it. To be perfectly honest, like it wasn't like they were the the two best equipped human beings on planet Earth, but mm-hmm. somehow they navigated that that thing actually pretty damn well in hindsight it's like there's an awful lot of things as, as a parent that is like i want to do it like they did it like they like which given that circumstance i don't think is that common hmm. yeah it's kind of cool yeah i wouldn't think so so when you were when you're growing up and and so your sisters get older and do they move out and then or is there a point you're the only one in the house oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they they were actually pretty quick to go they were we, we were all pretty independent kids my, my parents had a policy which is uh for your 18th birthday you get luggage and you're expected to use it <laughs> <laughs> so they were they were gone pretty quick and then so you're 10 and house to yourself are you at this point are you thinking about maybe not at this point but growing up did you have uh uh, whether it was a dream or an expectation of what you were going to do for work? Did you, like, dream, I'm going to do what my dad does, or I'm going to do the exact opposite, or did you even think about it much? I was highly, I had a best friend, Fritz. So, so we grew up together. And you guys ran the town. We ran the town. <laughs> um, and, and, and to this day, we're still dearest friends and hang out together, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll be each other's pallbearers. Wow. Um, so we were both pretty money motivated, you know. So like, I bought my first, uh, bought my first bicycle. Oh, it's okay, Saskatchewan. This might seem odd for Orange County, but the way to make money when I was a kid, um, <laughs> of course, cutting lawns, raking leaves, and like, all the standards. But where we really made money <laughs> was in Saskatchewan. People drank, and they drank a lot. And the habit of the day, and I'm fifty plus. The habit of the day was you finish your beer and you. Throw, throw, it, bottle. throw it in the or ditch. Throw the can, yeah. So we picked bottles. I bought my first bicycle with beer bottle picking money. I bought my first motorcycle with beer bottle picking You're money. You're kidding? No, me. I'm not. So, so and he, you call it beer bottle picking money? But we just called it bottle picking. But, but, it, but they were they, they were almost all beer bottles. That's great. Um, which you know, in hindsight, so there was enough that it was just there to sell all over. Hundreds of dollars, like we we. Like bought bicycles and motorcycles with them. Like wow. Anyway, how old were, did you get? How old were you when you got your first motorcycle? First bike, I think I was only eight. I'd be like, yeah, motorcycle or bicycle? No, 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 motorcycle. Oh, of oh, course. What were you riding at eight? Fifty cc. No, it was a little. It was a, actually a home built. Um, moped weird thing that my dad brought home from one of his clients, and uh, <laughs> I crashed it. It didn't last long. I crashed it and wrecked it, but. 
that that pattern continued on through cars for many years. By the way, <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, did you ever like as you got older and like kind of driving age? Did you ride a bike too? Oh yeah, I had a Yamaha 250, had a little Kawasaki 80, had mm-hmm. a whole variety of things, and then uh, I, I was lucky. And this goes back to you know, my parents were always kind of cool about stuff. Um, I got my first car, a Mustang, uh, five liter, high output. Uh, when uh, I, 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 I wasn't even 16. I was, it was the summer I was 15, so, <laughs> but, but my best friend Fritz, he had his license and, and literally I was, uh, so this is a weird detour that I, you know, bring it. If, <laughs> and by We're the way, all about if, if you want to edit any of this stuff out, you just go to town. So That's not happening. Um, so my oldest son is 12. This is the summer that he's 12. So my parents, um, finally separate. And, um, so I'm living in Saskatoon with my mom, dad is uh, still out in rural Saskatchewan. And, you know, part of the separation agreement is I'm to hang out with there. And it's like with your mom, but you go spend time with your dad. Yeah, but but I don't really want to go spend time with dad in that I know he works like all the rest of it. It's like, so we we cut a deal. He owns a part of a farm equipment dealership. So cut a deal that Fritz and I will get a job at the farm equipment dealership putting together farm equipment. So summer, I'm 12, Fritz is 13, we work. Monday through Friday, putting this stuff together. We both had motorcycles. And literally, we could leave Friday at 5 with our paycheck in hand and not come back until Sunday night or Monday morning to show up for work. Go do whatever. And, and at the time, it felt like the most normal thing in the universe. And, you know, now I think of like, I've got a 12-year-old that if I were to give him a motorcycle and say, come back in three days... <laughs> Like, like <laughs> you're not even letting him buy an Xbox game. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> it's a shooter game. <laughs> and, and so, good luck, son. Enjoy your weekend in Vegas. Well, you, that's ex- that's what it was like. And wow. Like, and I, 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 in hindsight, it's like crazy. I was so I was describing it to my different times though, right? Oh, completely. I was describing it to my 12 year old. So this summer, this is what was going on. And he's like, "So, like, where'd you go?" I said, "Well, we went wherever we wanted to. Well, where'd you sleep?" Well. A bunch of different places. We had a bunch of friends all over the place. We would we down would, by the river. <laughs> yeah, like we'd go to Lensford Park. Like we, it was just, it, it's it, in hindsight, it's just a little bit on the on the crazy side. And uh, but I was trying to describe it to him as like, but we were never late for work. We never squirmed on any of those sorts of things. Like we did all. It's like there was a responsibility piece, and that responsibility earned us this freedom. And so I was trying mm. to describe that process and i think it goes back to the work ethic of the small yeah. town like all those sorts of things like as long as you're there and you do what you said you're going to do and all those pieces go to town i think we could use a lot more of that today too it's like sometimes even like around these these entrepreneur spaces we spend time in yeah. there's a lot of still that kind of red pill of hey you know freedom lifestyle business and and i think you know what's funny the amount of of entrepreneurs like you and i that we i see at conferences that i'm at all the time and yeah. you're at all the time I think, man, there's not. A, we don't spend a lot of time in Hawaii hanging out with our laptops. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we spend a lot of time working. Yeah. And then, so nowadays, I like to to plug into work mm-hmm. and kind of do the twelve year old Jay. I guess mm-hmm. I plug into work and I work hard, and then I go back. And I'm like, hey, I, I love these people that I'm around, but I'm done now. Like, yeah, I'm done now, <laughs> and I'll see you next month. Yeah, <laughs> right. You and I are on the same page. Yeah. So anyway, that that was I, I don't know phenomenal. how I got on that on that piece, but so that was the summer I was twelve, the summer I was thirteen, the summer I think it was the summer I was fourteen actually, not fifteen, that we got the car, and. Uh, then, then it was even that we could go further. Like instead of you know our our maybe hundred mile radius turned into like a five hundred mile radius, and we just that was that was our summers for a really That's long awesome. time. Yeah. So, so I think the original question is to circle back for a second was what did you think you were going to do when you quote unquote grew up? Yes. And you were bottle picking. Oh. You were doing everything. Um, yes. So the answer to that question, 
is I didn't have a clue. <laughs> but but I I knew I liked creating. So like one of the very first joint ventures, like I, I'm at this conference talking about joint ventures. One of the very first joint ventures that we ever did was the the I think it was the very first summer that summer we were twelve. There was this old car in the back of this. It had a blown engine, and and Fritz and I pooled our money, bought the car. Uh, talked dad into get, uh, paying for the shop rate to put an engine in it and we restored this old car and uh, I think we bought it for 200 bucks and we ended up selling it for like 2300 bucks and then had to pay the shop rate and anyway we each made 600 bucks um, with restoring this little car as a this little joint project so so the thing was we were entrepreneurial and, and and in those circumstances there weren't 12 million ways to make money but if there was a way for you know a 12 year old and a 13 year old crazy kid to figure it out we would do that so whether that was bottle picking whether that was restoring an old car whether that was putting together farm equipment hell i, I we farmed we we uh, summer follow seeding like all we, anything so we could so you just looked in the environment essentially at some point unconsciously or you were just like conditioned you looked at the environment and saw opportunity yes and, and we're like you I just do something with that yes and, and, and that has carried forward my entire life like so that skill set mm-hmm. can you do you feel like you can teach that or is that something that's innate and i know it's a loaded question because i'm talking about you but really if you just kind of step back from you in your life and you look at the world and think is that something that people are born with or something you can learn so that's a good question which i think it is teachable and I think most people shouldn't be entrepreneurs. That's a good double-edged question. Let's get to that. So it is teachable. Uh, completely. Yeah. Why, I, do you, wh- wh- why would you say most people shouldn't be entrepreneurs? Because that is counterculture in a way mm-hmm. in our personal development, business development space. Yeah. I agree with you and I love it, but why? Uh, that's a whole other show, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a part two after this. Um, well, I think most people shouldn't be entrepreneurs for one fundamental reason is mm-hmm. that as a society, we are so epically and consistently conditioned um, to not think independently, to not be at source for the for the experience of creation. And most people aren't actually emotionally equipped to deal with the ups and downs. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, we're at a conference here. I don't know how far along most people are in their entrepreneurial journey, all of those pieces. However, if I had to just arbitrarily pick a number, I'd say at least a third of the people in that room shouldn't be entrepreneurs. I'd agree with you. At least a third. Um, Now, my dear wife, and this is a great example of it, is that um, we've been together for 30 years. We're high school sweethearts, all all of those pieces, and I love her dearly. I'm sure... um, Well, I'm not... (laughs) I don't need to say this as uh, as a possibility. It's like, over the years, I have driven her absolutely bat crazy. And she comes from a, a family that security is the number one thing in the universe. The right. number one thing in the universe. Yep. Any sort of inconsistency doesn't just um, isn't just uncomfortable for her. It, it, it causes her to freeze. It causes her to have anxiety. It, like, like there's a bunch of difficulties. Now, why is she still with me 30 years later is a whole freaking mystery well, on that she, note. Maybe she can talk to my <laughs> wife. Well, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Her background, same thing. It was all like, you know, go get this career, get this job. If you do enough education, et cetera, et cetera, then you can have your stability. So she had that thing inside too. And does she get frozen when when stuff gets tough? Yeah. And and early on, um, she never let me know. So, right. So I'd have, you know, when we first started dating, I went bankrupt and she didn't, you know, 
because it was like I hit my big high yeah. and then a big low and then I you know built up yeah. a big high again. So I have no problem doing that, yeah. right? It's probably like you. Yeah. Um, but for her, it was like you know we're having our first baby and we had less than a thousand dollars in the bank, oh, business bro. and personal. Yeah. Right. Well, first and only baby, mm-hmm. and it was like coming off of a down. Mm-hmm. But I looked at it and went, oh no problem. Like we'll I'm, I'm going to go and I closed three more deals yeah. that week or whatever. Right. right? Um, but for her, it was like, <laughs> how are we going to do this? Yeah. So tell me about your wife. Sorry, I'm buttoning no, my no, wife. You, you just you just described. I, I think a bunch of our early stages. It, what's interesting is as we have gotten. Well, let, let me back up okay? Okay. It, to to put perspective around this. There's three sort of stories that that make this point really really well. So number one is that I started with absolutely nothing and um, bet the farm time and again, and most of the time betting the farm worked. Mm-hmm. Not every time. Um, and when it didn't work, it was, um, you know, on the verge of losing almost everything. So I, I wrote a best-selling book called Reframe Your Blame, How to Be Personally Accountable. And uh, that was That's the good f- title, Reframe Your Blame. Yeah, like it's, it's not catchy. bad, actually. Catchy, yeah. Not inspiring, but catchy. <laughs> <laughs> Reframe Your Blame. By the way, it's your fault. Exactly. That's what you should have called it. Well, it's funny because we used to sell it in, in boxes of 10 and 20, mm-hmm. and people would give it away. It's like, now I was thinking, that's the most horrible gift ever. It's like, hey, buddy, you really need this book. It's like, <laughs> by the way, you make a lot of excuses. Here, read this. <laughs> exactly. That's anyway, funny. we sold about 25,000 copies of that book doing that, by the way. But that's a different conversation. So at the beginning, um, when when we bet the farm, it was incredibly, incredibly difficult for her. Like, we bought an old brick warehouse that we restored um, that, that quite literally caused a thyroid storm for her, which we didn't know what it was. It was difficult and all the rest of it. Did you oh, say a thyroid storm? storm? Yeah, it's it's when the thyroid shuts down and, and sends everything, like hair falling out. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was really hard on her. Um, anyway, what, what my point to that is, at the beginning, it was really, really difficult. As we've gotten a little bit older and that reframe your blame, that was where I, I'd invested. I'd finally had liquid money and I had about 1.2 million bucks invested in this trading fund, which was doing stunningly well and all the rest. And then the guy hangs himself in his basement oh, no. while, his, uh, while his wife is getting groceries and his two-year-old kid's upstairs sleeping. Oh, gosh. And, and, uh, and that, that's what caused me to, to write this book because it was the second time in my life that I had absolutely lost every red sand on planet Earth. Um, the fascinating part to that is that was incredibly difficult and taxing and hard on us and it was um it, it was tough and and by the way our first son came home um very shortly thereafter it was, that was a whole nother uh entertainment but that would be so about 12 years ago i would say that was probably the last time that she and it was probably the most dramatic as well um but she's gotten to a spot where it's like it's not easy for her Mm-hmm. But there is a, um, you know, th- after 30 years of the ups and the downs, that she has a faith, I think, in me, in us, in our contribution, in our ability to navigate through. Um, you know, we, I've made millions, I've lost millions. Um, we don't really owe much in the universe. Like, like it, it just, no matter what, it couldn't be that bad. If that makes any sense, and, and I think that that's finally starting to settle in for her, that it's like, whatever, we'll just go create more, you know. And, 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 and she's seen it enough. You've now showed a track record too. Of, oh yeah. Of it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, but it always sorts itself out, and I always find a way. Yeah. So now she has a faith. I don't know if it words in your mouth, but yeah. is that kind of accurate? Yeah. She has a faith in you yeah. that, hey, this will always work out. Yeah. You'll always get it sorted out. I don't like the downs, mm-hmm. but I know it'll always be taken care of. Because yeah. that's how that's what Lola's expressed to me yeah. is, hey, 
now whatever <laughs> i get it go ahead <laughs> and, and sometimes like when she gets worried about it, I'll, I'll tease her it's like oh my goodness this is tough we might have to go from like four portions to one what are we going to do oh <laughs> and then we have to share the portion and, then, and she's like your wife sounds wonderful (laughs) you know what truly she is i i'm i am completely and utterly blessed um now when i was saying there's a couple of stories just to put this in perspective so her parents this is great um her parents i i judged her parents actually incredibly harshly as i was growing up because i by the time you know i was getting to be a, a young man uh even in high school i had like three businesses and those sorts of things and and uh I was pretty entrepreneurial, and and I judged her parents really harshly because they lived in this, you know, probably 800-square-foot bungalow that they mortgaged for 30 years. Joe busted his ass for $12 an hour in a pretty menial job. Um, they watched every freaking penny, and and, uh, and and it just it felt like a small life to me, and, and, I, and I was quite judgmental about it, to be honest. And um, that judgment was returned to me uh, in... You know, probably the first seven years of, of my business, yeah, plus or minus, weekly phone calls and all the rest of it. And in every call, there would be some version of this transpire. Weekly call with her parents? Yep. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, um, <clears throat> um, so we're just like, we're still wondering, you know, is, um, is, is, is has, has, has Jay got a real job yet? <laughs> Still, they're worried for you. <laughs> well, they, well, they're worried for Corey because of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, and the funniest thing is when that stopped. Um, I, I I owned a we built a television production studio and I did a series of infomercials and those those sorts of things, um, eons ago. And when the infomercials hit and they did stunningly well for us like it was just one of those home run things well, what time period is this year wise ish oh that was this 80s 90s no this this is past 80s we would be in like 95 96 97 we ran okay and uh well, what, so you were producing infomercials for your own product yeah, yeah, or for, for other products no no for for uh, our seminar series so so my our core business throughout this was this organization called uh, personal best seminars and we did deep transformational uh, processes uh, and experiences we've got about 40,000 people go through those programs over the past 30 years um so that's always been our our piece and that's why the face to face heart to heart belly to belly work has always been our thing um until we until we started sort of serving coaches, experts, uh, authors to do their own thing uh, with masterminds. So, <laughs> so what happens is that it's like I don't have a real job. He's kind of a flake. Da 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 da. But we produced this infomercial, and, uh, and actually we did like seven of them, but the first one. And from that point forward, I was a hero. Now, now did he see you on TV? Oh like yes, well, on uh, his TV or well, tell yes. me what happened. Well, so exactly. So he he starts. We buy a bunch of airtime and all the rest of it, and like they just think that we're now suddenly instantly like great. So so I remember <laughs> I was having a drink with Joe. It's like, I love this. It's like you know Joe, like that show's not very good. It's like I watch your show every week. Well, not only does he watch it every week, they record it every week on their VCR. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Joe, it's the same show. He goes, I know it's great. And it's like, Joe. <laughs> it's sh- not General Hospital. It's, it's like, Joe, it's not very good. <laughs> and then it's like, so Joe. Oh, my gosh. I have to. It's so bad. I have to pay them to put it on the air. And he goes, I know. And I'm really proud. 
<laughs> that goes TV, man. Like you, it was so you, funny. as soon as you say you're on TV, all of a sudden you're a hero. Man, they so they for I paid to be on TV. That's okay. For three years, they recorded it every single time it was on. Oh, that's and, so and, beautiful. And that went from. You know, I'm a flake and don't have, a, I need a real job, to suddenly I'm successful. And yeah. it was the funniest thing ever. Our wife married a television star. Well, and, and by the way, it didn't hurt that, that Corey, my, my wife's kind of hot, um, and uh, and she she was a better, far better host than I was. So she was she hosted them a bunch because she did a bunch of the training as well. She's a phenomenal facilitator, phenomenal oh, so, trainer. So and, she was on TV. Oh, yeah. yeah so, oh, so they that, were very happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. So, uh so when you were like kind of in this early, early age, mm -hmm. right? Back to that kind of question. So you were doing everything entrepreneurial, yep. and I find it fascinating. And it's almost split down the road fifty-fifty. The more I, the more I'm interviewing, and the more I'm really getting to know some of these backstories. Mm -hmm. Some entrepreneurs say, "Oh, ever you know, I lemonade stands and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff." But then others were like, no, I went to school to be an engineer and so forth and so on. And then eventually it was like, this is terrible. I'm going to start my own business. Yeah. But you were always finding a way. You're always bottle picking, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, as a metaphor. Yep. Um, how old were you when you did your first, when you first got into like the, whatever you want to call this, the self-improvement industry, the personal growth seminars? I don't know what you call it. <laughs> the crazy. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, so... Um, I'll, I'll tell you a bad joke first, and then I'll answer your question. Okay? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so I came into that whole personal transformation thing completely and utterly by accident. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell this part first, and I'll, but then I'll cycle back. Okay. So I moved to Calgary um, shortly after high school. I come out of high school. I do a, a year of pre-law that I flunk out of because I just absolutely hated it. Why pre-law? Because um, I was always fairly articulate. Uh, I don't think up until that point in my life I'd ever actually lost an argument. And I thought that I could be, uh, you might be You might be too young to remember L.A. Law. I remember L.A. Law, yeah. yeah. I was like, I was going to be that. Okay. It was like, clearly, because great cars, hot women. Make money, I'm going to yes. be a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was horrific. <laughs> it was just horrific. <laughs> um, now, in that process, keeping my eye out, a friend of mine says, look, we've got this business. We're doing construction promotion stuff. We should try it. So I do a little bit of work with him. We hire kids to go door to door and say, hey, you need anything done in your house? And no matter what they needed done, we had a JV a rela relationship with a company that we'd go and sell the lead to and we'd get paid 10%. Oh, so damn. So you're a lead generation door to door sales company. You yes. were a construction company. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, so we do that in, in Medicine Hat. It's doing pretty well. I think we need more people. So we moved to Calgary. So you think a city of like 100,000 going to a city of just under a million. Go to Calgary, get this thing done. And it doesn't take me very long to figure out that, that the real money isn't in this. The real money is in owning a construction company. But okay. I don't really know which end of a hammer to hold. So like, get the 90%, not the 10%. Exactly. Right, okay. So I make a list of the ideal partner and all these fun, wonderful things. And uh, there's this one organization that we've been consistently performing for. And we're in there on a Friday getting our checks. <clears throat> and uh, this salesman, his name is Andy, pulls me over. He says, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, you are the only people like bringing anything through the door here. And I'm the only person who is selling any of this stuff. So I just wonder, like, do we need them? <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm the ripe old age of 18 years old now. And, uh, and I said, well, that's interesting. I'm not sure we do. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I know a lot better at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we should have lunch. So um, 
Andy and I go for lunch and I have this list of who I think I need as a partner and he fits almost all of the characteristics of it and uh, it turns out he had a deal in his back pocket he'd been working on. I had a deal in my back pocket. We pooled those and started our first construction company. Well, let me rephrase that. My first and only <laughs> construction <laughs> company. I know that he went on and did some of his other stuff. Um, so here's here's what transpires. All week long, he's happy, he's funny, he's engaging, um, he's charming, he's better with the clients, all those sorts of things. And in that week, we sold more than we had ever sold before. And we had more fun. So that Friday afternoon, in Calgary, there's this uh, this this bar that was called um, Smiles. And think of it like cheers, but above ground. Okay. And we're having a drink. And I say to him, what the hell happened to you? It's like aliens took over your body. You are not the man that we have been working with. Like, what on earth happened? And, and he takes a, uh, has a big smile. And he takes a sip of his beer. And he's a Polish fellow. And I, my accents suck, but you'll get the point. I can't wait. And, uh, and he looks at me and goes, I took a course. It was very powerful. Take it. Now, that's what he said. What I heard was... Wait, hang on. That was your best Polish voice. That was my very best Polish voice. <laughs> Slightly <sure>? East Indian. <laughs> slash, <laughs> slash Scottish. <laughs> Take a course. I <laughs> it was very powerful. <laughs> that was way more East Indian. Oh. <laughs> it's as good as it gets, man. It's really as good as it gets. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so so he takes a course? So, so it was very powerful. Take it. Now, that's what he said. But what I heard was, I took a sales course. Take more. Go take it. We'll make more money. Because okay. that's what I saw. It's not what he said. It's what I saw. So I sign up for this course. Uh, 18, just turning 19. It's 600 bucks. Five days. I think it's, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. This is uh, 1986, 87. And uh, this isn't a sales course. And by Friday, and I get there, You're starting like, to get the idea. This hey. is a therapy. <laughs> 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 this is a deep, intense personal development course. And uh, and you've never been through anything like this. Nothing. And and honest to goodness, you could not have paid. And I'm highly money motivated at the time, you couldn't have paid me a million dollars to walk into a room like that. Like that's for bad crazy people, that's for those weirdos, that's, that is not how somebody from Saskatchewan does it. If right. you have a problem, you figure the god thing out and you go to work. Right. Anything else is stupid, like full stop. It's just inappropriate and ridiculous and don't be a dumbass. Don't even think about no, it. No, like that's, that's for whatever. <laughs> Californians or something. You, you, totally. Yeah. That w- yes, that would, be, that, would be, that would be the perspective from the Saskatchewan um, farm kid perspective. Anyway. So we go through this process, and on Friday night, we do this one activity that actually just strikes to the core of who I am. And I get this glimpse of who I am and how I am and how I treat people and all those sorts of things. And I am not happy. I am not happy at all. And as most unconscious people, (laughs) when I get that glimpse, it can't be about me. It has to be about them this stupid course and that pardon my language if this was the thought of the time that dumb who's running it mm. so i'm going to go back saturday morning and i'm going to tune them in and then i'm going to go get on with my life because enough of this silliness and uh <laughs> so the way the setup happens is there's the sharing at the front there's a bunch of people and then finally i get up there and sharing I, oh yes oh 
Which, from a Saskatchewan Farm Kid perspective, nothing could be more ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I love this. So I'm, I'm in line, and I, it's finally my turn. I get on the mic, and I rip a strip off this woman. Yeah. Like, you would not believe. And, and um, I, I, I can safely say I was significantly less kind at that stage of my life than I am now. And if I ripped a strip off somebody, they knew it, and it had the desired effect. But I finish, and this is what she does. She smiles at me and she goes, <laughs> she laughs. And it's like, what? That was not the desired effect. Did you just hear what I said? Exactly. So I said it again, louder and slower. And at the end, she laughs louder. So I, I go in for round three. It's like, I am going to tune this woman in. And uh, I start talking and she just says, can I ask you a question? <laughs> you can do whatever you want and then there's some expletives that follow that and she says I, wanna, I just want to ask you a question one question about your dad and she asked me a question which I to this day do not remember what the question was but she asked the question and I instantaneously have projectile tears hmm. and, and I hadn't cried just to put in perspective uh, when my parents sort of had their, their separation I'd made a decision when I was 11 that I'm not crying I'm not doing that that's stupid enough they're not no so i hadn't cried for about eight years wow and, and literally they were projected and it's like i was like what what the hell like i'm leaking like what like wh the dam bro yeah exactly and uh and i i never did answer the question but it was perfectly clear to me like whatever is going on here which i do not clearly comprehend in any way shape or form, i best sit down shut up and figure out what it what this is and uh, and that was that was the pivot moment of holy crap I got a lot to learn, and I've got to figure out what the hell is truly going on here because uh, I'm missing the boat. And that was that was the beginning of a journey where I did all of those courses. Um, I then went back to school. So after you wiped up your tears, were you like, okay, I'll take the form. Let me <laughs> sign up for your program. There, two days later. <laughs> <laughs> two days later. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's always that way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it, it was it was truly one of the most pivotal moments about questioning who I, who I am, what my role in the world is, what I would truly be capable of, um, and who I was going to be. And that, that began that, uh, that discovery process and did all those things, went back to university, uh, did business admin, and just at the end of that, they called me and asked me, and I'd done some volunteer you work You said for you them. did business? Business admin, yeah. Business admin. So this Wait. is after law school, you do the seminar. I have the construction company, yeah. do the seminar, the construction company falls apart. I go back to school to figure out what we did wrong there in terms of the business perspective. At the end of that, they call me and ask me to come and take their facilitator training program. And, um, and I said yes, not because I wanted to do it, but I wanted the skills of a, of a facilitator. The things that I saw them notice, see, communicate, right. those skills. I wanted those skills to apply to my life. Because the facilitators didn't make any money right. at all. Like, so I'm not going like, to train your seminar, but I want to learn how to be a trainer. Yeah, facilitator. Exactly. So that felt the exact same way <laughs> when, I, when I saw it, when I went to NLP training yeah. initially. My very first thought: Did you? Just curious to yes. interrupt. Uh, did you ever yes. have this kind of mentality? Like I, I remember sitting down at my first like NLP trainings. Mm -hmm. That was my like thing, right? Yep. Um, and I had two notebooks. One was for like the content, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I want to learn all about NLP. And the other notebook was for the trainer. And I was mm -hmm. like, How do they dress? Why they did this? How they talk to those people? Where they moved? And I was yeah. finding patterns that sometimes they didn't know they did. Yes. So were you that kind of person from the get-go, or did you kind of have a, an opening into, you got interested in that later? Um, 
from the get go. Like, yeah. like I, I remember you wa- have that mind. Yeah, like walking into the bottle picking uh, metaphor. I remember walking into that room. So you know, I'm young. I just paid six hundred bucks for these five days. Walking into the room, and the very first thing I do is counted how many people were there. Exactly. What the heck? Times six hundred bucks is like. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it, like so. So that has Quite always a scam. They got going here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good bottle picking scam. <laughs> um, so and it's and it's just it's wired right. Yeah. So um, anyway, that uh, so they asked me to come take F, the the facilitator training program. It was a thirty day program designed much like Survivor, which meant that we applied. Thirty people applied. Ten of us were accepted, and then it was a month long program, twenty four hours a day, on call, all the rest of it with cuts every Friday. And uh, so people got voted off the island. Pack your shit. You got ten minutes. Say goodbye. Wow. And uh, myself and uh, three other people survived, and that became the beginning of a whole other weird story of how I ended up buying it as the 18th and least likely employee. Wow. So you went to work for this company. I worked. I worked for them for two and a half years before buying it. Wow. And then you were the one. You had the chance to buy it. Yes. Can we? I know we're already coming to time, but at the same time, like, you know, it's my podcast, so we can do whatever we want. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, right, we can. The, the whole point of, of a podcast is this long form, and, and we get to do that. So, guys, if you don't want to hear the story of Jay buying uh, a seminar company that he was the 18th employee least likely to get it, just fast, hit 15 seconds, fast forward for a couple minutes. Um, tell me kind of briefly, how okay. did that come about? Because that's very interesting to me. I've always had a mentality of, like, when I went to work in real estate, again, people have heard my stories. I don't need to tell them again. But when I went to work for these two brothers and they mentored me, it was a couple of years in. I was like, hey, I want in. Mm -hmm. And I didn't buy in as a partner, but I went to that first elevated state of basically getting um, like a partner, right? So I had a a percentage of the gross revenue. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, now I'm a part of this thing. Yes. And I was just the young kid who came in at 18, not knowing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And two years later, I'm I'm basically running the company uh, and and, and pulling that out. So I was always asking those questions. Mm -hmm. How of all the different people there, how did you become the person to do that? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, And and so this has some parts to it. So I'll I'll try and give the, the chapter titles, okay? (laughs) <laughs> so, so number one, um, in facilitator training, that 30 days, I'm there as a dilettante. Like, I just want to learn the skills. And I'm going to tootle off on my merry way. No plan to None. work there, stay there. A, d- a very deliberate plan not to. Awesome. Very deliberate plan not to. About two weeks in, uh, through a series of weird experiences, uh, including a, a bit of a spiritual awakening and a, um odd... Um, spiritual experience it's like I, I keep getting these signs like th- this is actually what I'm supposed to be doing this is actually what I meant for all of these things have led me to this spot um, including in a weird way um, I, ha- I wore glasses at the time and about halfway through when I decided that this is this is what I'm supposed to be this is how I'm supposed this is what I'm supposed to contribute this is my purpose in life this is actually my mission um, a fascinating thing happens which is my glasses, which I've had since we left Scepter, Saskatchewan, and moved to, to Saskatoon, um, trying to read the easel. There are times where I can't, I can't read it, and, and I, if I take my glasses off, I can. And I spend about two days putting my glasses on and off. And at the end of that two days, I took them off, and I've never put them back on. I've never had laser eye surgery. I don't wear contacts, any of those sorts of things. And what the heck? And I, what I fervently believe mm-hmm. is that as I got clearer about my role and purpose in life. And your vision. My vision absolutely healed. Like, absolutely healed. Um, so you got clearer on your vision in life and your vision healed. Correct. 
Now, what's fascinating, but it's also one of my early warning sign right now. So, well, my entire life, actually, is that if, uh, like, I'll, I'll be working and it's like, damn, you know, my head's starting to bug me and all those sorts of things. And it's like, I'll find myself squinting. And it's always a question of, like, so what's not quite right? What do I need to deal with? What have I been avoiding? What? And if I clean up my life, my eyesight totally back. Like, it, it, it is my most physical early warning sign of something going on in my life. Wow. That and sounds very woo-woo personal growth, Jay. It, it, very anti-Saskatchewan. I don't believe in any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's weird. So That's bizarre. That is so cool, though. It's a little bit odd. And, and people always say, so what's the proof? And here's the proof. Is that for I don't me. wear glasses. What do you mean, what's the proof? <laughs> wait, 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 but, but you could feel around. But, but the other part of it is is that all through high school, because I thought I was cool and I was supposed to wear glasses, I drove vehicles by Braille. You know, <laughs> meaning that I, bump, I wrecked more cars than you possibly say could stick out. But I, I have never had a car crash since that. Just haven't. Like so it, there because you go. I can see. Like it's, it's very clear. Anyway, um, through that, I finish. Weird turn of events. I actually get fired and sent away at the end of the training program. They assign assignments to the, my three comrades and say to me, it's like, you knew you weren't going to make it anyway, so go have a nice life. Um, I take off. I have a couple of days uh, with my sister and brother-in-law in Medicine Hat, and I, and I have one of those moments that I've come to call cellular certainty. Mm -hmm. And cellular certainty to me is the, be the best sort of visu visual representation is, you know, finding Dory. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or Finding Nemo. Finding Dory Nemo was the yeah, first one. Yeah. yeah. Where, where the mackerel are all swimming around, and then all of a sudden they all just point in one direction. Yep. So so that, that to me, is one of my most powerful physical indicators of cellular certainty. And it's all, almost always directly in contradiction to rational thought and experience. Like, it's like yeah. none of this adds up. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I have my first experience of true cellular certainty, which is, number one, they're right. I'm not ready. I can tell because of my crazy reaction. Number two... I can actually do this, and I might be able to do it better than anybody's done it before in the history of the, of the organization. And uh, number three, I'm going to. So I get in my car, and I drive back to Calgary. I'm in Medicine Hat, and it's like a three-hour drive. And I arrive at the executive director's home at 11 o'clock at night and <laughs> knock at her door. <laughs> and she comes to the door. What? <laughs> not happy to see me. And I say to her, look. I know I'm not ready. Here's the thing. I want six months. I'm not going to go away until I get the six months. If I'm not ready in six months, I'll leave you at home. And, I, and I, nothing more need be said. But uh, I'm not going anywhere. And <laughs> meet me at the office tomorrow morning. So that's how I got my job wow. there in the first place. Then fast forward. I've ever been a part of a um, nonprofit society that has a board and then the employees, and they start fighting. Yep. That's what happens. Um, a bunch of the facilitators want to take over the organization, call a special meeting of the board. Our representative, our representative, there was four of us, by the way. I was invited by the three most powerful leaders of the organization. I'm the young upstart that's moving and shaking and selling shit and making stuff happen. And I'm just happy to be included. And sure. I, I would call myself an unconscious sheep. It's like, bah, if I can ride your coattail, I'm in. Bah. Yeah, I just, just can't believe I have a seat at the table. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they call a special meeting of the board. Um, Richard uh, makes his presentation. They, <laughs> which basically was so out of alignment from our content. Mm -hmm. It was all win-lose. It's like, you as a board of directors screwed this thing up. You managed us into this debt and 
hellhole and you're going to give us all of the rights and assets, you are going to take the debt and you have to say yes because we are the facilitators and you can't do it without us. That was the proposal. Huh. And I'll never forget it. Sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right, exactly. Very inspiring. And while <laughs> this is all going on, me, the unconscious sheep, is like, I'm going to get a piece of the pie. I'm going to own 25% of this thing. I'm going to get to facilitate. Yes, I, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own part of this and I'm going to live my mission and I'm going to, this is all so great. And um, <laughs> I'll never forget a guy named Stu Simpson raises his hand. He was, he was the treasurer of the board. And it's like, I, in my head, it's like, this is it. This is where it's going to happen. This he is the give it all to Jay. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. And he raises his hand and he says, I'd like to make a motion that the Personal Best Training Society of Alberta, as of this instant, ceases to have any paid employees. It's like, that's not really what I thought they were going to do. Wow. Seconded. Second. Unanimously. The board votes off all the paid employees. Yeah. Like that. We're all fired. So now you have nothing. Nothing. (laughs) That's a good move. (laughs) So I I go home that night and uh, I can't sleep. Cannot sleep, not one freaking wink. And uh, I don't know what to do. So I get up in the morning and do what any Saskatchewan farm kid would do. I put my suit on, I go to work. And as I walk in the door, there's a bunch of the board members in, in there. And they, they see me and they lean in. They're like, they're looking at me. And it's like, and then one of them, and this tells you exactly what they think of me. This this articulates it all. One of them goes, so, um, <coughs> well, you uh, realize, uh, you, you know you don't have a job. <laughs> You're like, oh. Yes, asshole. I caught that part. <laughs> How was it the meeting? <laughs> and so, well, why are you here? I said, well, honest to goodness, I truly don't know. I just know what happened last night was inappropriate, and somebody's got to do something. And they said, well, that's why we're here, too. And then they go, (laughs) again, and and one of them says, so, well, like, would you just answer the phones today? Because we've got to figure this out. And I was like, yeah, I will. So I answered the phones for three days, and then I came up with a proposal that said, I will pay off the debt in return for the rights and the assets. I want a six-month window. Um, And, by the way... That's about $56,000, and I have zero money, and I'd been working for them for a year and a half for $1,000 a month, and I have a student loan. (laughs) $1,000 a month. Yes, so I have nothing, but this is the deal I cut. The board agrees to that deal, not because they think I can pay off the debt, but they think that if the snot-nosed kid pays off even $5,000, it's better than stiffen the universe with the entire bill. Right. Two months, three months, four months in, they begin to see that I'm actually committed to this and I'm making great progress. And every single one of those people on the board actually at some stage of the game came to support, gave me money, wrote a check, uh, forgave a debt, did, did some version of it. So six months later, the debt was paid in full and they were good to their word. They never put it on paper, by the way. And all of the other employees, the other 17 came by and tell me how stupid I was through this entire process because they were going to screw me. Um, but at the end of the six months, good to their word, they gave me the rights and assets. And that was in May of 1991. And been doing it ever since. Wow. So that so that company, now what you're doing today, is this still a, a spinoff or the same thing or something well, entirely different? I have three different brands. So the Creators Code brand is ex- is that company. We still deliver so those courses. So you still have that? You still yep. deliver those courses? Yeah, wow. absolutely. Now, Mastermind to Millions, one of the things we developed through Creators Code was that people would have these transformations and then go back to their life and the gravity of the life that they led before would pull them back so they wouldn't make the changes. So we created these mastermind groups for longer-term support. And we did that for 25 years internally before we ever trained and supported people externally to position, launch, and lead masterminds. So the mastermind brand would represent, I don't know, half a percent of the body of work that the Creators Code has. Um, but it 
clicked and it really made a uh, an impact. So it was really almost a, an add-on feature in a way. Yeah. Like so, so they were doing all the personal development work, and then you said, okay, if they go back home alone, then they fall backwards. It doesn't yeah. quite keep on. So you said, well, let's just add on these masterminds where they can get community and so forth and so on. Yeah. And you just started doing that. Yeah. Just because it made 20, sense. Twenty-five years ago. Wow. Which is why when, you know, a couple of years ago, somebody was having trouble with their mastermind group um, and they said they were complaining about it actually at a, at a course I was at. And it's like, look, you know, I have all of these resources that I just trained my team with like for the past 25 years. So um, internal resources of how to run effective masterminds yeah. that you've been using an internal team. Exactly. Just want to make sure everyone yeah. gets that. Yeah. So I said, if you want them, you can have them. And more complex story, but really what happened was from giving that internal training to this one person, that actually exploded into a business that turned into like $2.4 million in 14 months, accidentally, so to speak. Um, but it's just this thing we'd been doing forever. And Did we you get a Finding Nemo moment? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I, not in that manner. Like, I, I, it, it was, it was a, Matt, it was a series of perpetual surprises that people cared about it and were that interested in it. Wow. Like, I, it was like, seriously? Like, it, just, it was a little bit boggling to me. I, I couldn't quite... It, it was boggling to me. I, and, and I should put it in perspective is that we were trying to master the online world and I tried everything under the sun with our personal development programs and all those sorts of things and, and we sucked at it. Like it was, it was bad. Yeah. And then there was this thing that we weren't trying that I didn't think was significant and that's what exploded. Like it was just was this honest to goodness <laughs> perpetual series of surprises but it was like, okay, I can take a hint. We'll do that. <laughs> So whenever, so did you like just bring it up in places or people would ask and you said, well, if you want, I have this manual. And then everyone went, oh my gosh, what, how, how uh, did, how did this, like, what, what was the initial like growth in, tell me about some of the 14 months. Okay. So, so I'll tell you the, the beginning, cause this was the boggling piece to love me. it. So, so we're trying to just build our list and get a subscriber and like, it was almost that bad. A subscriber for the mastermind no, brand. No, no, no. Mastermind brand doesn't even exist yet for, okay. I'm at the creator's code. This is our personal development stuff. We're trying to figure out how we move from being always face to face and heart to heart, how we oh, move stuff online and all the rest. And, and we suck at it. I'm at this mastermind. Somebody was having trouble. I give them these resources. Yeah. You, you might be familiar with the done for you giveaway, Kim and, um, Linda. Um, it, it was one of the early giveaways. Okay. Anyway, I'm asked to participate in this thing, and I look at it, and it all looks kind of silly to me. It's the honest God truth. It's like, oh, no. And then next year, I'm asked, and it's like, oh, I think I'm busy. <laughs> I, 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 like, I, I didn't fully yeah, comprehend yeah, yeah. it. Um, a friend of mine, Justin Livingston, texts me and says, look, I just, got eight, I just got 800 opt-ins in like 24 hours. You should do this. So I phone and say, okay, I'm going to do this. Just tell me what. And every single thing I suggest to them, they say, no, it's not done for you enough. Every single thing they suggest to me is a make work project and a half and I'm not really interested in it. Right. So I hang up the phone and said, just let me think about it for this. And then it strikes me. It's like, well, I just gave the manual. I wonder if they'd be interested in the manual. And uh, so I phone Kim so back. So that's like a done for you mastermind. It, precisely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly the manual that I use to train coaches, facilitators like for two decades. Um, what do you think? It's like, so I send it to her and she goes, that's the best thing that we've got. We'll put it at the top of the list. That's totally outstanding. Wow. Now at this stage of the game, there's only seven days left because I've been dragging my feet. My hope was, oh, please, 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 if we could get 300 opt-ins. Mm -hmm. I think at that stage of the game, it was going to put me to like 5,000 on my list. And I yeah. thought that, you know, just 300 opt-ins. And in that week, we got about 3,500 opt-ins. Wow. Just crazy. So after that, it was like, well, I suppose we should 
sell them something. <laughs> so we have all these people who clearly yeah, so love the idea of a mastermind. So I created the, the six pillars of mastermind that work. I, uh, we did two webinars and I told everybody, look, this is a beta program putting this together. This is all content that I have been doing for 20 years, but we're going to aggregate it into something that you can use uh, for you personally. I will be creating as we're going along. Uh, it's going to be 997 bucks. And my closing rate on those webinars was over 60%. What the heck? Exactly. And it was like, okay, now away we go. And then that just became the foundation. And it's like, look, we need to sharpen this up. We need to increase the price. We need to systemize it. We need to polish it. We need to do all those pieces, which we did. So let's focus and build this, yeah. this thing that people actually want. Yeah. And in those first three, in, in that first year, um, we did three full-on PLF launches. We did two full-on uh, live events. Explain to people what PLF launch. Oh, it's the Jeff Walker's product launch formula yep. where, you know, three pieces of content about this is what this is and then an offer uh, through a series of webinars and JV partners and all those sorts of things. And, and that just... <laughs> it was crazy. It's so what it was. Big, so the big launch strategy was starting off with your opt-ins. Yeah. And then that went crazy, did some webinars, sold to a 997 program, and then decided as you fine-tuned it and crafted it and built it, you turned that into some uh, product launches. Yeah. Wow. Which led to an event. And, and the event at the beginning was nothing more. It wasn't intended to be a sales event or any sort of thing. It was simply going to be a teaching event. Um, but as, as we're gaining momentum, it's like they need more support after that. And in our first event, we did half a million bucks, again, almost accidentally, um, because we thought it was just going to be a teaching event. Which, you, so you, I want to ask you something, because we we, we got to come to the close yeah. soon enough, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but w we were at a retreat together in yeah. December. Yeah. Um, you remember being yeah, of course. at Jesse and Charlo's up in Santa Cruz, and you stood up and shared... Um, your experience of shifting the way you made offers. Yes. And I feel like something that I, I'd i like to think that we have this in common, yep. right? Like I, I love structures and I love systems and following, yep. right? Say, so, hey, this is, this is mm -hmm. cookie cutter as much as possible for leverage, right? Yes. But something you said just always stuck with me. And I think, you know, when I've designed programs, I very much like the idea of, okay, if they don't even need anything, like I want this to be self-sufficient. I want this, this workshop they went to to be everything that I promised and then some 100%. and exactly what they need. But then after you're getting ready to, to deliver that in your mind, you can then ask the question, okay, so if I took this afterwards, what would I need? What wouldn't I need? Correct. And give them everything they need, nothing they don't. Yep. So for your, that first big event for the masterminds, mm -hmm. did you kind of have that approach of like, this is going to be fine how it is. And then started looking at, okay, well, if they really do do this and they implement all of it, what do they actually need? And what'd you come up with? Um, everything in the kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> what don't they need? <laughs> well, well, I hired I hired Suzanne Evans actually, which was oh. which was perhaps one of the best hires I ever did for something that was new. Because I mean, we we did two hundred events a year for you know twenty plus years. Yeah. But none of those events were sales events. In fact, the the grounding of that whole personal development company was you don't sully the transformation room with sales. That all happens outside with our sales team and all that stuff. We don't wow. we don't do that here. Wow. So when it came time to doing this, that was a radical departure. Um, so number one, we hired Suzanne. Number two, uh, we put together the elements that we thought were going to make the most significant difference for them. And, and our program is called Lead, Accelerate Your Influence and Your Income. So, I mean, it was pretty clear to us that these are the three components that people need to actually truly position, launch, and lead a mastermind. And, um, and we just pulled all the pieces that we thought were most significant from the last 30 years, and we created a bunch of new ones to help them uh, succeed. And frankly, uh, and th this is... 
and I was, I'm going to do all the delivery. I even told people that first time that I will give you a half VIP day to make sure that we are starting in the right spot and all the rest of it. And I expected we'd get 10 or 12 people. We got 36. Wow. <laughs> so then I was underwater for a year delivering. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, those are decent problems to have. You're like, wait, wait, 36. Did I say half VIP day? I, I meant half an hour. <laughs> yeah, <it was laughs> but that's not enough. No, no. It was oh, that's so, awesome. So that's, that's how that transpired. But, but that, that, that offer has evolved tremendously because that was as great as that was. That was a one-size-fits-all because it's all yeah. we could see at the time. Yeah. And we yeah so, t- so talk to me about what, what you – sorry to cut you off, but talk to me about what you talked about in December, which was a new way to make an offer. And I think this is probably – if, if, if you're nothing else, this entire interview, if you fast forward all the farms and bottle picking stories, <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. This this changed my mentality big time over the last several months. Um, what was the change you made and how you presented offers at that last big event? Two key pieces to it. Number one, it starts with the promise of I won't sell you something that is not appropriate for your needs. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the room on your credit card. It has nothing to do with anything except what is your stage of business and what is the right offer for you now. So that's the first promise is I'm not selling you something that you don't need. Um, if you want the bigger package and you're not ready for it, I'm going to say no to you. If you want the smaller package because you want to save, mo- save money, I will say no to you. And if I say no to you, you just go away. We're not doing that. Like, I, w- I won't do it. So that's promise number one. Then what we do is we sell our... our and, can you, and can you repeat that one, just that line of, I won't sell you something... That's not right for you. That's not right for you. What a fundamental, simple belief. Because it's not a line. And I'm looking at you no. now, right? And I know this is an audio podcast, but if you could see Jay's just your breathing, your chest, your facial expression, to truly be able to look at someone and go, if it's not right for you, I'm not going to sell you. Yeah. And if you believe that, right, mm-hmm. people get it, right? Oh, totally. They all of a sudden. Did, I'm just curious. Did yeah. you did you experience a kind of the guard is down of like, wait a minute, y- you really are my corner? This isn't a sales event. Like, what was that? What was the reaction like when you did that? And I'm making it up for what my side, but like, what, I, what was I, it like for you? Well, for for me, it just felt right. Yeah. Like, like we, we'd had a couple of years of doing just the one program, and there were people in the program who shouldn't have been there. Like, I still do an in-depth interview and all those sorts of things, but it's a little I bit... I totally like, get it. It's a little bit like uh, what I assume. I don't... I'm happily married. I don't know what online dating is like, but I hear that's, <laughs> that sometimes those profiles are... Augmented? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to put it. And, and even in the interview process, because even with our core program, we always interviewed, and people either don't see themselves accurately or uh, augment because they really want to support and participate in all those sorts of things. And there were people in there that just should not have been there. So for me, it was very simple and straightforward. It's like, that's not a favor to you. It's not a favor to me. So let's figure this thing out. So we sell one core program, which is called LEAD. The deal is, this is a, depending how they buy it, a fifteen dollars or $18,000 program. When you say yes, this is what you're fundamentally saying yes to. Okay, you're going to put your deposit down. I'm going. You're going to fill out a nine-page application. I'm going to do a one-hour interview with you. I'm going to ask you all of these questions. So, so we don't just because you buy it doesn't mean you get it. So this. So we vet this really well. And what will happen is this: if that is right for you, that's what you've got. However, if your business is more advanced and you are, because this is the foundation of getting from uh, building a business model, getting from one to one to one to many in a variety of different ways. If you're beyond that, and most of these people are under six figures struggling maybe 80 to 120, sometimes sure. 50 to 120. 
Uh, if you're Which beyond- is probably right in the range of where it's a good fit, where everything that is in that core middle-level program would fit them kind of precisely for the time they're in. Correct. But if they're advanced or if they're if they're further along, then they go to what we call lead elite. Um, it's twenty five thousand bucks, and it gets three additional days with me. It gets a whole bunch more support. It gets a whole bunch of done for you turnkey things that we've you know, from product launch formula stuff to a whole variety of pieces that they get. Or if they're actually not even here yet and they're still trying to figure out, you know, uh, my dear friend Jeanette has a little program called What the Hell Do I Sell. So we're still trying to figure out what the hell do I sell and how do I have a consistent conversation with that, we put them into a program called Momentum. And what happens is that they sign up for 15 and sometimes we move them to five. Right. And we leave that $10,000, we don't touch that because it's not appropriate. And sometimes they sign up for lead and it's like, look, you, you're not appropriate there. You're, you need to go to lead elite. Right, because here's the truth. At the end of the year or the end of their time, if they should be an elite but they're in, in lead They'll be disappointed. Normal, They'll be disappointed because yeah. they're like, well, what did I get? Yeah. I didn't really need, I already knew a lot of these things or whatever it is. Precisely. Right? That's so good. And, and from, from our perspective, it's like, well, no, no, I can't go to Lead because I don't have enough money. It's like, well, you need to go find the money. If this is your stage of business, go find the money. Right. And Literally, it, you're, you're the doctor saying, this is how advanced you are. Yes. But on the opposite side, right? You're, you're already doing so well. You need this. Yes. And that's how it is. And, and if you're not going to do that, you can't buy this. Wow. And that's the key piece. You can't buy this. Like, I, I will not sell you that. It's silly. That's like, you know, if you if you broke your arm and it's like, I can only afford half an aspirin. I'm not going to give you half an aspirin. You know, I'll give you a Band-Aid and half an aspirin. <laughs> exactly. Like, that. no, that, that makes no sense. So that matching process has been really strong. And I feel incredibly confident in that conversation. Now, the drawback to it, and there is a drawback to it, is that it's a little bit complex for people. So basically, I just have to you say, mean as far as the uh, like the buying psychology, yeah, it's like so. What am, way, I, what's so what am I signing up for? Exactly. And how does it work? So uh, basically, my whole thing ends with this is the program. It's lead. It is all of these pieces. If it's right for you, I will say yes. If it's not, I'm going to guide you up, or I will guide you down, and you're going to need to trust me and just know that I won't sell you what's not right for you. That's full really stop. Good. And they believe it or they don't, <laughs> right? And but it feels good but for me. But at this me. point, by the time you're talking about this too, they have to have at least known you for a little while. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I I, have, I hope it's a similar experience for me as well. Like when I'm on stage and, and when we're doing an event, um, usually even if they got dragged by somebody and mm-hmm. that's the first time they've ever met me, after, you know, a day, two days, three days, it's like, look, what you see is what you get. Like at this point, I think you know me mm-hmm. as well as you're kind of going to, yep. right? Like you know my candor. You know... Um, the transparency, you know that I, this is my opinion, this is how I facilitate, you know, this is knowledge base and so forth. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is my take on life and to my take on business. So at that point, you know. Yeah. And, and I think you're well enough equipped to make a choice in, like, if you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking to be coached, if you're looking, in my case, if you're looking to, to learn NLP and take the certification yeah. training, there's a zillion places. Mm-hmm. But you know at this point if you like the way I do it and you think I'm the one who can really help you through. Yeah. And uh, and you almost lean into that more, right? Yeah. Where now they're like they either really are in or they really aren't. Are out. And both and both are good from my perspective. And that's the thing. For, for me, it's very simple. Are you committed to launching a mastermind? Yes. You should not be doing that alone. Then the only next question is, do you trust me to be the one to serve and support you with it? Because they're really, in my case, there aren't a whole bunch of other places. So no. this this comes down to this or not. And if you're going to do it on your own, best of luck. I think it's crazy, but best of luck. Right. If well, you even want, you didn't do it on your own. Hell no. 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 Hell no. Yeah. 
So, and yeah. I think you said that too. Like, I, I don't, I'm sure there's someone who does mastermind something somewhere, you mm -hmm. know, I'm sure. Um, but in all the years, I'm, I'm 12 years into this now, and I have never run into one. You're the one guy that keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a reason for it. It's not just you're the one guy doing masterminds, yeah. um, but you're also the one who has been doing it for two and a half decades. You're yeah. the one who every time anyone ever sees you, here, here, you know what's great? Mm -hmm. You're the Paul Rudd of seminar teaching. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think I do, but you elucidate. Well, so so somebody once I saw this on one of those like entertainment news yep. channels, and they said uh, someone was I don't remember who it was, but they were interviewing Paul Rudd. Mm -hmm. I was Ant Man and mm -hmm. does a bunch of great yeah, movies, yeah. and and they said you seem to be very well liked. Is that a problem for you? <laughs> and Paul Rudd laughed and went. Uh, like everybody likes me. Um, Seems like I, a big problem. Yeah, but then the line came out right. You know, everyone hates someone, but no one doesn't like Paul Rudd, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because how do you not like him? And 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 truly, like in in this world, um, there's you know we're all very positive. Mm -hmm. But then you know when you get a glass of wine or when you get you know the side after three days in a seminar, you go, oh my god, you know that one guy. And and th there's the people that just kind of <laughs> there's always the mention right mm -hmm. of, of whatever. And I've never once had someone go anything negative about Jay Facet. Not mm -hmm. once. Whether you're present or not present, I think that just speaks volumes. That was one of the reasons why I was very, very excited to finally get to know you more is um, your reputation precedes you. And you can't fake your way into that. And you can't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you, you can't. There's only, there's only one way to do it. The Saskatchewan way. Yeah. You just got to be you, you know. Well, well, and, and I appreciate you being you, bro. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you having me on here, and and, and, and that acknowledgement, I, I I appreciate because it's um. I think anybody can pull that off for a series of months, or maybe even a couple of years. Yep. You can't do it for thirty. No. <laughs> you just can't do it for thirty. No. No. And, and when you said to I love him, what was your best friend's name? Fritz. Fritz. When you said uh, we'll be each other's pallbearers. There's something also fundamentally correct in somebody's character when they're able to maintain relationships for decades. Yeah. So that's one of the, one of my little spidey sense things. You know, when I meet someone, yeah. it's like you just kind of pay attention. And there's some people in the industry here that, you know, they don't really have any friends or partners or team members or employees or whatever that go yeah. beyond a year or two. Yeah. And I mean, my my longest um, team member, Sasha, has been with me. You've met her. She's yeah. been on for ten years. Yeah. And right, and I think. Gosh, I've only been in business for twelve. In the first two years, I didn't make any money. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I just like I think it's a it's a sense of, of internal pride for yeah. I think you know guys like me and you where we can look at and say uh, I, I've been at this for a little while. Um, I'm going to keep being at this, yeah. and I don't leave a wake of broken bodies, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I leave a wake of of lives that are transformed um, and of people that. You know, hopefully, you know, if you said, hey, what do you think about Matt Browning? What yeah. do you think about Jay Facet? They're going, oh, man, you know, stand-up guy. Yeah. And I'm sure there's people somewhere in the world who have negative opinions. Mm -hmm. um, but, but ultimately, the people that really know you and have really experienced you, always positive. Yeah. Always nothing but, like, you know, if we're talking shelves right now, top. Thank you. The, the interesting part to that is I screw up a lot. Like, I screw up more than... Anybody I know, to be perfectly frank. But I take more risks than almost anybody I know as well. Um, so it's not that there haven't been messes. And I, and I think that that's a really important piece in this conversation. I'd agree. Um, which is, I make messes all the time. But I do my damnedest to 
clean them up, deal with it as fairly as we possibly can, all the rest of it. Like um, my my ex business partner uh, Josh and I were, were just on Skype, and and we were doing a little project together and all those sorts of things. And and Linda came by and said, "It's Joshua. Oh, you're talking to this thing." Yeah, I, we, I we, thought we, you were not working together yeah, anymore. Exactly, we're not. But we've never not talked <laughs> like that that's not like that doesn't make right. sense to me yeah why why wouldn't there be yeah. an availability for because if, if you start well you run it well and you end well yeah. right relationships continue yeah but so I, I love that point too of it's not about being perfect <laughs> in fact I, i'd almost say you probably agree with this it's, it's it's so much less about being perfect but it's about when you screw it up how do you deal with that yeah. right because your character gets revealed when you mess it up not when you do it right mm-hmm. you know your character gets revealed when it's hard not when it's easy and you know when when i don't get paid on something and i've been you know that's happened plenty of times mm-hmm. you know and speaking and jv deals and things or I'm, there's still that some paychecks i'm waiting in the mail for you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh but but how do you deal with that? And and if it's been on the flip side, because there has been times, you know, in the past when I said, hey, money was tight or whatever mm-hmm. it was. But then it's about how do I deal with that? Not just, you know what? I can't. So I'm going to I'm going to screw someone over yeah. or whatever. It I'll is. find so, a way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I love that about you. My whole point was I'm trying to put you over and say how awesome you are. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, thank you, brother. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about you. And I look forward to us actually doing more stuff together because I, I, I view you as a kindred spirit. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I'm sure at some point it's going to work well. And that's the neat thing, too, is what I love is we had a conversation about joint venturing mm-hmm. what, six months ago, yep. something like that. Yeah. And, and I just thought, you know, at some point, some po- some point, something's going to work out really well. Mm-hmm. And but it didn't have to be now because yep. I'm not worried about like I'm going to get what I can out of Jay Facet mm-hmm. or I'm going to got to make sure that you got that event you just came up with mm-hmm. a month ago. And I, oh, I need to make sure I, you know, whatever. It's just about, hey, I want to know you more. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be support and there's going to be ways that we get to play. And um, I certainly want to be able to introduce you to more people. This is a great start for that. Um, Jay. Got a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. Thank you for going so long. <laughs> it's uh, I didn't expect this, but now it's getting into sorry, the, man. Into the, no. <laughs> and you want more questions? Okay, no, no, don't they be will be sorry. short ones. Don't be sorry. I love it. I love it. <laughs> this, this is what we need. I'll tell you what it's all about. Okay, all right, I'm getting. <laughs> I just got a one. Star, I just got a one star rating on iTunes for my Canadian constituents. We, we we have a pretty good sense of humor about our life. It's it's okay. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so first off, where can people find you? I'm going to put notes in the show notes, of course. So make sure you look in the show notes and you'll see Jay's links. But let's talk about it real quick. Okay. You have mastermindofmillions.com is the main hub for you. Correct. Yep. Uh, and that will that's the place where they can go get that manual. It's it's the what you we, hang on hang on hang on hang on. Yep. You still have that available? Oh yeah. The thing that started and launched yes. the Mastermind of Millions? We, we recently, just to be clear, we recently, how do I put this? Um, we kept it the way that it was for a very long time, just for the purposes of authenticity. But honest goodness, that was done. It looked kind of <laughs> the early 90s. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, Microsoft clip art with the little guy. You, you, you know the one I'm talking about. Um, so, so we recently updated. Thank but, you. But, but, but we did keep that just for, for fun and entertainment. So, 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 so the content has been, um, the content is the same. It's got a little more contextual framing and it does, it's not quite as ugly. But they can still get that. And, and, and honest to goodness, that, the framework of that manual is the how to lead a mastermind now it's not how to market it it's not how to fill it it's not any of those sorts of things so it's really designed for people who have a tribe or a community that like them love them want more of them um and 
it works and it's exceptionally exceptionally powerful like i get to, so i have a mastermind right now my next mastermind yeah. is coming up in september yep right three-day mastermind so i could grab this mastermind of millions manual that you have up yep. there for free absolutely i could grab that and go through it and probably completely transform what my schedule looks like is that like what what i would do in facilitation of it yes uh, it, everything from ground rules to how you bring in a member now it's designed and it, we had these long remember this was a longer term mastermind for people to live into that transformation yeah so it is designed for multiple, uh, like a monthly process. Ah, okay. Multiple dates. Exactly. So now everything is transferable in terms of if you're doing what I would call one-offs, um, but you're going to see uh, structures, timelines, out, uh, outlines, ground rules, um, tools and processes, um, uh, commitment ideas to solidify commitment. All those things are in there. So um, yes, there'll be stuff that you can use for certain. Love it. Okay, well, I'm getting that right away then because I'm probably going to be relaunching uh, a different version at some point. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Um, and then I'll put up all your social media. Is that okay? Cool. Please. Put up social media links so you can yep. find Jay and be friends with him and follow him and sure. uh, and all that stuff. And if they'd like to read um, the least updated blog in the history of man, they could always just go to jfazette.com. Jfazette.com. <laughs> all right. So Mastermind of Millions, we'll put jfazette.com. What I put write there's, that down right what, here. What I put... What, what I do put up there is actually pretty darn good, but it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> so you're not like a daily marketing blogger. You just blog great content when you think of it. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, write up a, do you have a, a blog about bottle picking? No, but it's probably, it would be a good one. I love it. So I got uh, two final questions and then we'll go get a glass of wine or something. Okay. If you could give advice to a 19-year-old Jay Facet. Oh, dear God. What would you say? What does he need to know? Hmm. That's a great question. At 19? Yes. I think the the the, the most succinct thing would be stop being an a**. world's not out to get you. Wow. That was a limiting belief you hung on to for a little bit. Well, I was I was hard on people, you know, like like that that decision at eleven of I'm not ever going to let myself get hurt by people yep. uh, became a pretty hard. Um, I'll push you away before you're going to hurt me, and and I I battled pretty hard with people about it. Wow. And final question before we wrap: If you could change anything mm -hmm. in your whole story, what would you pick, or hmm. would you leave it all the same? There's no right answer about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I. Th th this is a good wine question, and, and Corey and I, you know, s you know, sitting around having. Oh. I don't. I don't think that I would change anything about the events of my life. Like that. Ups and downs, ins and outs, all those sorts of things. The truth is, I have had an exceptionally blessed life like I, I great 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 deal of gratitude um, but it goes back to actually the advice that I, that I would give my 19 year old self um, is that I would spend less time fretting worrying projecting stressing like the internal my internal world would have been calmer earlier um, you know I, I think it, it probably took me to I would say my biggest sort of breakthrough with it was when we when we lost all our money in the universe, and it was really difficult. Um, I think it was it wasn't until after that that I just truly let myself 
be more internally calm and relaxed. Like that experience from 19 on, that all the other, leave it all the same, but I, I wouldn't have had to have the internal battles. That would be the thing. Be more conscious earlier is the short answer to that long babbly answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great answer. Great answer. Jay, thanks for all the time, brother. Hey, thank you. Really appreciate, appreciate it being it. here. Hey, I just want to thank Jay for coming on. And I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you're listening to the end of the show at this point, that means you listen to the whole thing. I you know, I listened back to this interview. I recorded this several months ago. And uh, I listened back to it. And I would just, I smiled the whole time. I don't always have a chance based on release times to listen through to the interview again or even the entire interview because sometimes it's, you know, it's fresh. We just did it. But this one, I got a chance to listen back, and I just I found myself sitting back and just enjoying the stories about Canada and uh, and you know everything else. And I related to especially his story about going into the seminar and you know and saying, "Wait a minute, this isn't a sales seminar. <laughs> this is this this is like personal development or something." So, at any rate, there's a lot to learn from Jay. Uh, make sure you follow Jay if you haven't already. Follow him on Facebook. He's at uh, J and that's F-I-S-E-T, and Instagram, at J Facet. His website, shockingly, is at J Facet, or www.jfacet. And he has a giveaway that you should definitely take advantage of. It's totally free. It's, uh, I think it's changed over time since we've recorded this, but it's called the Rapid Growth Report. And this is the uh, report that started as his mastermind handbook, or his mastermind manual. Uh, this, is, this is what we talked about in the interview. So if you are thinking about or you know someone who runs masterminds or heck, if you even go to masterminds, this would be a massive uh, leg up in, uh, in what you're doing to be able to learn how to facilitate and train even better, how to get more people in, how to bring in new members, really what to do if you have any interest in a mastermind. If you're running one currently, like I run a mastermind, I can, I've learned a lot from Jay. Also, if you do coaching or speaking or consulting, you might be considering, hey, you know, do you want to do a mastermind? I, I didn't know I was going to. I didn't think I was going to for years. And then I realized, man, this is actually a great thing to do. I can get all these people that are like-minded individuals together. And what's neat about a mastermind is instead of being a seminar or a training where basically there's the trainer is a star teaching everybody, a mastermind, our job is to be a facilitator. So it's about, and Jay talks about stepping back uh, off the stage in a way. You're certainly going to have some teaching times probably, but it's also about being a facilitator, stepping back, and just facilitating the conversation, the knowledge, the transformation, whatever's going on for that group. So it's, uh, it's a great thing to do. So if you coach, speak, or consult, definitely consider you know, a mastermind. Is community important to you? You know, If it is, consider a mastermind. And I know no one better than Jay Fassett, uh to to launch, coach, and grow a mastermind. So make sure you grab that rapid growth report at mastermind2millions.com. Two is T-O, mastermind2millions.com. All right, that's it for the show this week. Hope you have an awesome weekend. As usual, get out there and crush it. Um, Be on the lookout if you haven't already. Be on the lookout. I talked about it an episode or two ago. Very quickly here, we are coming up. Coming up on our 100th show. Our 100th show. I I can't believe it. I can't, no one can, no one believes it here, hon. Anyone? Mr. Mom reference? All right. So no one believes it here, hon. Uh, but it's just, it's exciting. And there is some news. 
I'm, we're relaunching. We're doing a shift of the name and rebrand. So I'm going to talk about that in some coming shows, maybe next Tuesday. So be on the lookout for what the name is. I did a poll on Facebook at Matt Brawning if you want to check that out. And I asked everyone what they thought. We got lots of awesome input from the community. We had well over 100 and something comments on people giving me ideas and names. One, one of our uh, mastermind community members, Brendan O'Shea, I'll shout out to Brendan if you listen. He gave me, I lost count, it was probably 50 at least 50 different names that are optional names. Most of them terrible. Some of them amazing. Uh, and all of them great uh, effort and very appreciated. So thank you, Brendan, and thank you, everybody, for participating. We did pick a new name. I'm going to share that next week. There's also a special surprise. If you like free content, do you like free content? I like free content. If you like free content, if you like me, uh, you don't have to come to where I am. You don't have to fly to cold Grand Rapids, Michigan and sit in my basement just to hear uh, a little bit of uh, wisdom or knowledge here and there, a little bit of teaching or get these great interviews. If you like that content and you'd like more of it, I have something special coming on. We're changing the format to this show slightly. I'll talk about that. And this is the coolest thing. There's some new launching. I will be launching with uh, with a, some help of some friends. I'm going to be launching two new shows. That's right. We're going to launch two new shows. I'll tell you all about it in the coming weeks. And for our 100th episode, a special anniversary, it's going to be a special celebration. We're going to do that show, and I'm going to launch and talk all about what's next. And it's going to be the launch of the new branded show, new branded podcast, new branded radio show. So thanks for listening. Sure love you guys. Appreciate you. Have an awesome weekend. Get out there and crush it. Thanks.